Hello and welcome to another episode of Embracing Differences with me, Nipin. I am the founder of Novellus, a company based in the UK, specializing in organizational culture and risk maturity. Our work is to make organizations, or rather people, culturally sensitive and risk intelligent. And we promote the idea of transdisciplinary thinking and managing risk, which basically means bringing together different disciplines to make sense of how human beings make decisions, how we learn, and how we learn to work together. Our area of work includes organizational culture, accident investigations, leadership training, and a culture of learning through proven experiential learning methods based on social psychology of risk. Everything we do is semiotic, meaning our methods are visual and verbal, and it is only through visual and verbal methods that we begin to appreciate that no two people see the world in the same way. Meaning, if I see things differently than you, then slow down, ask open-ended questions, start respecting and listening to my point of view so that we can both learn from each other. The world is a semiosphere, meaning that the visuals around us have a symbolic and mythical meaning. In social psychology of risk, we often say everything is significant or nothing never happens when we go in the field. If you are semiotically sensitive, you are aware of the limits of your senses, then there is so much wisdom to be gained in coming to terms with the limits of our senses, which is coming to terms with our ignorance. Being semiotically aware makes us culturally sensitive and risk intelligent. And that is precisely what this podcast is about. In this podcast, I'm joined with Dr. Rob Long, and together we explore the idea of what is semiotics. I hope you will enjoy listening and watching this podcast as much as Rob and I enjoyed creating it for you. Okay. Rob, mm. um, I've done several semiotic walks with you mm. in the last three to four days. Yes. Um, I, I think it would be great to speak about semiotics. So what is semiotics to somebody who is completely new to this area? Um, so let's just discuss what is semiotics and then see where the discussion goes. Well, it's a bit like the maybe others. maybe Rob, the starting point should be you 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 telling you you just sharing your th- how did you come to the world of semiotics? Oh, that's a long way back. Just very briefly. I was going to say <clears throat> I know people who would give you a technical answer and oh semiotics is science symbol systems. You know so much of the academic life about defining what something is is so much like just reading a dictionary. The truth is, lots of our, our experiences of what we understand are way, way, way beyond the dictionary. So when you ask me about semiotics, I'm not interested in a technical explanation of semiotics. If you said to me what semiotics, I'd say let's go for a walk. If you don't feel semiotics, then you actually don't know what it is. It's like culture. Don't mean give some nonsense that culture is what we do around here. Oh, really? Oh. So how does mysticism fit in with what we do around here? You have to experience it. You have to see it. You have to feel it. And so when I come to semiotics, it is so big, you can hardly define it. <coughs> Yuri Lotman called the world the semiosphere. That's how big semiotics is. 
it is, it is the world, it is everything. And so what is semiotics? Could be a binary trap if I said it's signed symbol systems. That's such a small part. I'd rather say back to you, you've been on three rather long semiotics walks with me in three days. Uh, what did you learn semiotically from the cemetery? What did you learn from the cork plantation? What did you learn from our, our semiotic drive today? We didn't walk, we drove. What did you learn about semiotics at, at the cemetery? Maybe let's start there. Yeah. Um, well, even before we did that, I just fell in love with the word uh, dream time. Oh, the indigenous Australians. The, yes, yes, yes. I mean, the more I think about it in the last three to four days, mm the more I'm intrigued by the idea of dream time, which is taking some time to reflect on how do we connect with nature? How do, we are part of nature, we are not mm. against nature. Why are we going so much against nature mm. all the time? Mm. And that thought itself is so fascinating and it, it's, it's my limited view of what semiotics is all about, is that when you walk into nature, when you go for a walk, doesn't matter whether it's a safety walk or it's, oh, a, yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's a forest walk, how do, you, how do you feel, how do you see, how do you hear, hmm. how do you resonate with nature? Yes. Yeah, that, yeah. that stood out yeah. to me. And the more non-rational you are, the more poetic you are, the more relaxed you are, oh, yeah. the more the nature talks to you. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just take the example of symmetry, you asked the question how much one could draw from that experience of going and walking into a cemetery. Here is a few people who are supposed <coughs> to be buried in this place, the yes. privileged ones, <coughs> and yes. everyone else on a completely different side. Yes. Yeah? How much of it is about geometry? How much of it is about a, something like a penis protruding upwards? Yes, yes, the phallic symbol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the point is that one needs to recognize that everything is significant. Mm, yes. Everything. Yes. No matter what you see has a meaning, has significance. Yes. Nothing never happens. So as an anthropologist, you come very quickly come to terms with the idea that everything is there for a reason. Yes. And you got to figure out the more you connect with the world around you, mm. the more you live and feel and, and, and resonate yes. with it, the more you will draw. Yes. The more you try to make rational sense of it, the more brain-centric you get oh, yeah. about it, the more you start to lose it. And to me, one of the most powerful things was, you know, there's a few things. One is that uh, when you see something, don't see, look at it as a unique thing. There are many, many other patterns around you that would, that would, that would look something like this. Yeah. So when I looked at that symmetry and, and the, 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 the boundary around it and the phallus. Um, it's a very, very unique place. Indeed. And when I look at back at Hinduism yes. and we have Shivaling, which is uh, yes. the Lord Shiva's uh, yeah. penis and, and, yeah. and, uh, and uh, his wife's vagina, mm. um, it's the same symbol. Yes, it is. Yeah. And how come two cultures that have never oh. met in time and space share the same symbology? Yeah? Yes. That, that was powerful. The other thing, that I, so that... that so the more one becomes relaxed, the more one starts to see things, the more you can connect with other cultures, the more you can connect with other 
uh, other races, other ethnicities, other. So Correct. you're not the only one facing a problem. There mm. are many, many more who have lived this problem, yes. and many more who will live this problem. Yes. So one of the big takeaways for me was, and I, I've always believed in this, that once you go deep into any culture, there are no cultural differences. These are all symbols of mortality. The, we have human beings know, we are, we are one of the species that knows that it's, it's mortal, and we have found our ways to, to avoid or, or to claim eternal life. To deny. To deny death and to, yes. to claim eternal life. So one, that, that was one big takeaway, that there are other cultures that share the same symbols and myths. Yeah. The other thing that I found very powerful was, Rob, that where is the power? <laughs> Who has the power? Who has the power? Never assume that this place is power neutral. Nothing is power neutral, whether it's nature or it's artifacts of human culture. Everything has power embodied in it. Mm. And you, it's only when you look carefully at it, you will, you will see power yep. in everything. Yes. Whether it's a cemetery or the museum or the... Yes, the, the, the wherever we yeah, went. Yeah, we went. Uh, one <coughs> could recognize power. The third thing I felt was very powerful was understanding that there is dialectic, that understanding that what you're seeing, the opposite of that also exists. Mm. Some people would call it paradox. Some people would call it trade-offs. Some yin people yang. would call it byproducts. And yeah. the Buddhists call it yin-yang. Yin-yang, yeah. yin yes, yin. yes. Uh, mandala, mandala, for example. Yeah. yeah. So when you, and it's it's so easy that you, when you see something to get to get so imbalanced that I know what this is. Yes. But once you contemplate, once you start to question a little bit, mm. you can also see the opposite of it. Yes. Yes. And I think living in that paradox, mm. living in this idea that uh, I'm seeing a tree which is half of nature and half of it is 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 nature extracted from it yes. which is the cork tree you know we, yeah, we yeah. You take the shell out from the yeah, yeah. The, the, the and the, we use the, the bottom half of the tree for cork for cork yeah. and just you're you're able to see a lot more than you normally see when you go when you adopt this semiotic way of living and being yes yeah. and and the word connected to semiotics is the word semiosis which is how do human beings construct meaning by their view of the world. And one of the beautiful things about the Aboriginal dream time is very much like Lotman's idea of the semi semisphere. For, th for the Indigenous people of Australia, the world is the dream time. The world speaks to them, whether it's the moon, the sky, the planets, a tree, an animal, the earth. All of those things are important. And they have a very um, unique view of what for them is sacred. When you go into the world of technique, the modern Western world of efficiency, there is nothing that's sacred except money. And when you end up with a contrast of like that, you actually need a pair of semiotic eyes to see the difference. And I often take people on a semiotic walk and they don't see anything. We stand there in front of something which I think, am I the only one who sees this, you know? And we've got 20 people on a semiotic walk or a drive and we stop and say, okay, what do you see? And they don't see anything, okay? So it, act it act takes practice to be semiotic. It takes a different consciousness to think of semiosis, the meaning making in something. So even as people look at this video and they see us, where are we sitting? 
why are we sitting here? What's behind us? You know, try to understand the context and so on. Um, a lot of that is just missing. People do not ask those questions. Um, so much of the language of control is the language of the Western world. I don't look at something to enjoy it. I look at something to use it. I look at something to measure it. I look at something to exploit it. And um, that creates a way of seeing the world which is completely warped. It's completely warped. Indeed. And if you bring it back to the risk and safety world, um, we go on a walk mm. and you see somebody not following the process. Mm. Um, the default position is to, to bully that person, oh, to yeah. control that Police person. Police them, yes. Or sometimes we do recognize that this person might be facing some, some mental health issues and so on yeah. and give them a pill. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. the point is that we never actually relate with that person. No, no, we don't connect at all. Mm. We don't need to. No. We've got the controls in place. Absolutely. Yes. So in a way, what you are saying is that when you see the world through the eyes of semiosis, yes. through these semiotic lenses, yeah you see them much more as something or somebody to be controlled? Uh, when I see the world semiotically through semiosis, my first question is how do they make sense of their world? So I don't assume that I see what they see. In fact, it's clear they've seen something differently and so they respond in that way. So I've got to get, I've got to get rid of my eyes and get behind their eyes. You can only do that with a conversation. You can only do that with open questions. You can't do it with interrogation. You can't do it with audits. You can't do it with inspections. You can't do it. So I have to let go of my agenda and get into their world and say, tell me what you see. Brilliant. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. Yes. Because very, very hard to yeah, do. Yeah, we come to realise how limited our, our worldview, our senses, our our culture, our, yes. our ethics are. Yes, yeah. yes. Yes. Great. Thank you, Ron. Okay. It's a great piece. What did you think? I hope you will have enjoyed listening and watching this podcast. Do you want to learn more about semiotics, culture, and risk intelligence? You can always visit our knowledge space at novellus.solutions forward slash the knowledge space. You can also join us for our Organizational Culture and Risk Intelligence Workshop in London from 21st to 23rd of February, where we will take you on an experiential learning journey that we call a semiotic walk. I hope you enjoyed this session. Goodbye until we see you again. Have a good one.